Caution, learning in progress. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Smarter Every Season. I'm going to be your host today. My name is Nate Burnham, and today we're going to dive in the topic of what it looks like to define roles within a dealership and kind of some warning signs of like what that may look like or some ways that can hinder it if we're not defining our, our roles within the dealership well. So to do that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest. We have one of our RMs. His name is Chris Creek. So, Chris, thanks for joining me. Well, first of all, Nate, I, I'm honored to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation, and I, I'm a little bit apprehensive, honestly. Um, I'm one of the guys on the team. I'm not the most um, planned out, regimented, organized, structured. I'm more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, intuitive operation kind of guy. So uh, if what you're looking for from me today is a list of this is what you look for first, and then once this is accomplished, you move to two, I'm afraid I'm not going to give you that. Um, but I think what we are going to have today is a really interesting conversation. It's going to dive into uh, some topics that hopefully are helpful to some guys. And there might even be a few interesting rabbits to chase here and there. And you've already given me free reign and said that uh, anything that's completely inappropriate for the podcast, you're going to edit out. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm moving forward in the hope that uh, somehow we're going to have an interesting conversation and anything that's left over that's beneficial, you'll make sure that it gets uh, put out into the podcast. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm totally looking forward to it. Awesome. So, so uh, I will go ahead and introduce myself. My name's Chris Creek. Uh, I'm the Northeast region manager. Uh, Northeast here means everything north of North Carolina, everything east of Ohio. Uh, up until about four years ago, I also covered the eastern half of Canada. Uh, but we've uh, been fortunate to have hired on a number of Canadians here in the last couple of years uh, who are doing great things up there north of the border. And I haven't been uh, required to cross the U.S.-Canada border since pre-COVID, which is very, I'm very happy to be yeah, able to say that. Absolutely. Um, so before coming to work here, I worked at a precision planting dealership. It was a little unusual dealership. Uh, it was the atypical ag retail with a precision planting dealership. And, um, and I was only there for a few years, but we built a precision part of the business. And that's what led to me being here. Okay. Um, my history and background before that is... Wow. Did you ever see the, the illustration that, uh, you know, I guess maybe the meme where there's a, a picture of like an arrow pointing at a, at a diagonal that says this is what people think success looks like. Yeah. And then there's this, the next frame is like this tangled mess that goes up and down and back and just turns into this giant hairball. And this is what success actually looks like, right? Right. Um, I look at, at my career and uh, it just seemed like forward and back and up and down and inside and out. And uh, it's been one of those things where uh, I guess if I were one of those more regimented, ordered people, I probably would have gone, okay, all right, this is what I need to do. My next step is this, and, and this is what I'm going to do after that. But my career has been a, uh, a history of responding to challenges, right? Mm -hmm. So th this is what's setting me back right now. Um, let me evaluate where we are. What are the resources that I have to work with to get out of here or to get to the next step? And that's how I'm going to apply it. And, you know, 
I, I look back at my past and sometimes, sometimes I'm tempted to look at what I did and go, man, just what a series of one mistake after another. And, but the truth of the matter is there was growth in every single step along the way. Mm-hmm. And I look back in my career at some of the things that I thought like, what a waste of two years of my life and where I am today and what I'm doing right now, um, is applying every single one of those experiences to, to my, my dealerships. Like, cause the truth is, you know, especially when we sign on a new dealership, a young dealership and they're going to make some mistakes. They're right. going to have some stumbles and some struggles. And the beautiful thing about everything that's led me to where I am is it's given me a lot of, um, confidence that through all of this turmoil, there's a path forward and we just need to settle down, figure out what it is and move forward in it. Yeah. And I mean, right there is a great message to maybe somebody's listening to this podcast who feels like their dealership is struggling and they don't know how to take that next step forward. Sometimes it's as simple as just taking a step back, look at what's that biggest obstacle right now that has to be accomplished and attack it. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, one of the, uh, pieces of recommended reading on the team was a book by Jocko Willink and Leif Barrett, uh, Leif Babbitt, uh, called Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Leadership Lessons from the Navy SEALs, right? And um, incidentally, if you can get this on Audible or on a, you know, an audio book, it is an absolute phenomenal listen. It's a great read, mm-hmm. but is a phenomenal listen because what they do is they open up with a story of this happened to us in Iraq or Afghanistan or when we were training for the SEALs, this is what we were doing. This is what happened. And this is a challenge that we faced. And this is what we learned. Um, it's read by the authors. And so they're okay. telling you it's a first person account of what was going on. And uh, then they apply the lessons that they learned to business and to life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that they, one of the very early lessons that he learns well, I guess not the lesson that he learned, but in the, in the process of learning the first lesson, he mentioned, referred to a couple of principles. And the principle is evaluate where you are and prioritize what you're dealing with mm-hmm. and then execute, right? And yeah. so it, it seems simplistic, right? Oh, right. of course you're going to evaluate where you're at and you're going to... Uh, prioritize what needs to be done and then you're going to execute. But it's not that simple, especially when we get into something where um, when, when you're emotionally invested in something, right? Mm -hmm. It's very hard sometimes to take a deep breath, relax, think, like engage the brain because the, the reactive centers of the mind do not engage the thinking centers of the mind, right? You, Mm -hmm. You need to get out of that fight or flight mentality so that you can take a look at your scenario, go, you know what? Um, I got these challenges in front of me, challenge A, B, C, D, and E, whatever they are. Um, and I've got some resources to apply to solving those and getting past them. But I can't apply all my resources to all of them at once. So what's the one thing that if I don't get it right right now, it's going to take me down? Mm-hmm. And then you apply your resources to getting past that one. And you apply your resources to getting past the next most high priority, right? Yeah. And... Uh, seems so simplistic, but in the moment, mm-hmm. um, in the moment, it's very hard to see that sometimes. And honestly, oftentimes that's the role of the RM 
when mm-hmm. you're when you're dealing with uh, with a dealer and you know you've got this conversation. Hopefully, it's a conversation. You know, going back and forth between yourself and the dealer, and um, at some point, you're able to be very objective in an area where they cannot be. Right. And so you start to ask some questions that hopefully lead them into viewing things and going, oh, um, yeah, I hadn't really considered that if I don't take care of this, it's going to kill me. Yeah. And then uh, and then you help them to apply their resources and and uh, and overcome challenges. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's got to be really cool, especially when you see the breakthroughs happen of that. I've been thinking about it from this standpoint, but when I actually take the step back and look at it from this standpoint, everything becomes a little bit more clear. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that, that uh, our dealers have that same opportunity, right? Only with farming operations. Yeah. And, oh man, uh, you know, we talked about when you're emotionally invested in something, it's sometimes difficult to see things rationally, right? Mm -hmm. What in the world could you possibly be more emotionally invested in than a family farm? Right. Right. I mean, this is, this is uh, somebody's very, I mean, not only their livelihood, oftentimes it's their identity, mm-hmm. it's their heritage, mm-hmm. it's their, you know, it's who they are. And, and oftentimes, y- you know, you, you, you get into this rut where you're just, you're, you're doing the next thing because it's in front of you, you got to get mm-hmm. done and the animals need to be fed and the crops need to be brought in. And, and it takes someone with an objective view to come in and go, you know what? You're doing a great job. You're and you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to see this dark storm cloud on the horizon that maybe you don't see it right now, um, but I'm going to help to make you unaware of it. Not you know I'm not going to drown you with it. Right. Um, but I I need to make you aware of it. And the good news is I have a solution to help you to get past that. And uh, you know our dealers get a chance to do that sort of thing every day too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to kind of bring it into <laughs> more of the talk or topic. This has been so awesome I, already. I did warn you that we were going to go I on know. some rabbit trails. Right. <laughs> no, and, and I love it. Um, but so bringing it back down to dealerships yeah, and defining roles within a dealership, what does that look like kind of in your mind of how do I actually put a definition on what defining my role looks like? So, and I've been kind of rolling this question over and since we first talked about doing this Mm -hmm. and the truth is, well, all right, from my perspective, it's like everything else that I do. There's no one size fits all. It's a very intuitive kind of thing. So um, when I work with a dealership, especially a new dealership, but I probably ask this question question of my existing dealers from time to time. When I work with a new dealership, I'm like, you know, what is it that you want to do? Like, why is it that you're doing what you do? What is it? you know, surely you don't expect to be doing the same thing you're doing today, exactly the way you're doing it today in three years or five years or 10 years. You're trying to build something, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying, you, you see a desired future state that you want to get to. Um, What does that look like? And I think we have a tendency or at least a temptation to say like, oh, well, you know, you're a precision planting dealer. You want to be a million dollar dealer and you want to be, you know, all of the things that we generally view as success. Right. Right. But the truth is that's not everybody's view of success. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got dealers that, you know, their, their goal is to be able to farm and precision planting puts enough extra money into their pocket that they can farm. And, and if they do 50 or a hundred or 150 a year, that's where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we as a company, like if, if all we had was that guy, 
we aren't going to be able to meet our goals with just that guy. But right. fortunately, there's hundreds of that guy. And then there's dozens of other guys that want to build, you know, a half a million dollar business. And there's a handful of guys that want to build a million dollar business. And, and as a result, we're able to accomplish our goals by helping other people to accomplish theirs. And that's mm-hmm. a beautiful part about it. But the, the guy that wants to build a million dollar business and the guy that's content with a $150,000 business, their, their roles within the company are going to look very different. Right. right. And so there's a couple of ways to evaluate it. And once again, I, I told you, I'm not going to be this guy that's going to give you the A, B, and C. I'm going to throw yeah. you out, you know, the intuitives. Um, there's, there's a couple of different criteria that you can use for determining roles. Um, there's going to be things that you're good at and things that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. There's going to thing, be things that you like to do and things you don't like to do. And there's going to be things that, that make you profitable and things that don't make you profitable. All mm-hmm. right. So it, just on those three criteria, and there's probably more, um, of those three criteria, um, do you want to offload the things that you're, that you're least good at? Do you want to offload the things that you least like to do? Or do you want to offload the things that you're least profitable doing? Mm-hmm. Do you want to maximize your ability to do those things that you want to do, that you enjoy doing? Do you want to maximize the, the things that you happen to be the best at? Or do you want to maximize the things that happen to be most productive and most profitable for you? And in the best case scenario, I mean, wouldn't it be great if the things that I was best at and the things that I really enjoyed doing and the things that I really made money doing, if we could do those things that we love and drive us and and pay us very, very well and just find somebody to do all the stuff that we don't like to do, right? right? And that that we're not profitable at and we're not good at. But the reality is um, we have to prioritize those in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so decide what kind of business you want to be. If, if, you, if you want this business to give you a certain lifestyle, you're probably going to prioritize those things that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. and then find somebody to do the things that you don't enjoy even if it's not as profitable for you to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to build a strong, successful business and you want to build this massive business organization that's you know, essentially going to live long after you, you can't afford to do that. You need to find the guys that can do the things better than you and do things more profitably and more productively than you. And then you need to focus on doing the things that are going to be getting you from, from where you are to wherever the goal has. And so it's, it's a conversation you have with a dealer and you go, what are your goals? What are you hoping to accomplish? I had a conversation just the other day with a dealer. Uh, we were going through the playbook and we got to the point where he was laying out his, his top goals, his top priorities, right? And his top priority was finding new customers. Um, sales volume is not a top priority. Um, you know, the, he wants to get more people to know who he is and have some influence on a larger group of people. And so we were talking about uh, a farm show that he did a few months earlier. And I'm like, how did follow-ups go with all of the people that submitted information from the farm show? He's like, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't really had an opportunity to follow those up. I said, well, what's your, what's your top priority? What's your main goal? He's like, finding new customers. I said, so if my main priority, if my top priority was finding new customers, I would find time to do something that helps me find new customers. If not every day, at least once a week. You need to set aside some time at some point. You, you know, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day, 
I'm doing something that's going to move me toward that goal of finding new customers. And if it's impractical for you to do it every day, look, if I haven't found a new customer this week, by Friday, I'm going to spend Friday finding new customers, right? And he's got this whole list of people that, that registered for a, for a giveaway. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got all their names or addresses. Uh, he's got some, you know, other contact information, some information about their farming operation. You need to start touch base, touching base with these people. If your goal truly is, if your primary motivation, your primary purpose is to, to get new customers, this is one easy way to, to start into that. And it's, it's real easy for us to, to step back and, and do big picture stuff mm-hmm. and get lost in quotes and installations and, you know, go into training and all of these kinds of things. And at the end of the year, like, oh, my, my top priority was getting new customers and I don't have any new customers. And it's because right. I haven't been applying any effort toward getting new customers regularly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of tail off of that and talking about, okay, what is your primary focus? And then are you actually applying towards that primary focus or are you not? Is there a conversation that can be had at that point around the goal is awesome. However, that role of following through on it may be better suit for someone that someone else in the dealership or maybe if we're at a point where we can bring someone else onto the team do we focus on finding someone who has a strong suit in, hey, I love reaching out to new people and communicating and, and start that relationship building. If my primary goal is to find new customers, does it make sense to kind of go down that route? Nate, have you ever considered stepping into the RM role? <laughs> well, so, and here's a great example. I'm reasonably good at what I do. And looking back at the conversation that I had with this dealer, I thought, man, that would have been brilliant if I had just applied that question (laughs) in that moment. Um, And I'm sure he's going to be listening to this podcast and he's going to be going, oh, Chris didn't tell me that. Wow, that would have been (laughs) awesome. Um, In this particular case, he's he's one of these one-man show guys, right? Okay, yeah. Um, But, you know, he's got a dad. He's got Uh a mom. He's got a wife. Uh, I think they're all kind of engaged in his success mm-hmm. and we're not talking about something that, that, you, you know, it's not like this isn't a full-time job, right? It doesn't have to be right. It can be spending 20 minutes once a week, making a few phone calls. Right. And so that's a great suggestion. Like, uh, if you're listening, uh, you might consider that. Um, so that's, and that's a perfect application of what you had set up as the podcast theme here. Right. Mm-hmm. So taking, uh, taken a question of where we had it as a dealership and, and uh, distilling it down to, am I really operating in the role that I'm supposed to be operating in? And so um, I am not by any means an expert in um, what we've come to know as the mass exercise mm-hmm. where you identify all the tasks that need to be accomplished in, in a dealership. And then you apply those to who's doing them and who should be doing them, all those kinds of things. But that exercise that every dealer on the podcast should be aware of, um, it's a perfect example of what we were talking about before. You know, am I really doing the things that I'm good at? Am I really doing the things that I enjoy doing? And and if I'm going to pay somebody to do something, um, should I pay them to do the things that I don't enjoy doing? Should I pay them to do the things that I'm that I'm not as good at? Or can I should I pay them to do the things that they can be most profitable at so I can go do something that I can be more profitable at? Mm-hmm. And I think from a business perspective, 
you know, I, I think that's where we would um, recommend that most people lean. You know, let's find the things that, that the dealer principal, the owner of the dealership or the, the key guy in the dealership, let's find the things that he can be most profitable at. And mm-hmm. anything that's taking too much of his time and not paying him back, um, let's see if we can't find somebody else in the organization or bring somebody on in the organization to cover those things. I kind of then want to tie that back into, especially depending on the state of the business or the dealership, there may be conversations that need to be had around, you may not like doing these things, but you're really good at them and that will turn a profit. Right. You need to find someone to come along and help you or maybe shift the roles of someone in the dealership that is really good at doing some of the things that you enjoy, but they, they do it better than you. So I already told you I'm not this structured, organized, but, you know, there are some things that, that it, it really pays to just sit down and discipline yourself to put it on paper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you guys would probably do it digitally, but old fellas, you know, are like <laughs> put it on paper. Um, write a list of all the tasks that need to be accomplished in a dealership. Um, there's accounts receivable, accounts payable, collections. Like everybody loves collections, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there are, you know, for some, there's things like permitting and, um, you know, logistics, just making sure that things are moved to where they need to be, warehousing, inventory, you know, all mm-hmm. of these different things. I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous list of all of these things that need to be done. And as the business manager, the leader, the owner of the business, look at those things and you know, every single one of them needs to be done. And, and I would, I would identify several different things about each one of those things that needs to be done. First of all, which ones are you doing well and which ones are not being done well? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be one really good way to prioritize. Okay. Um, this is one of the things that's going to kill me if I don't get onto that. Right. So, um, I'm doing really well at sales. I'm doing really well at installations. My follow up after the fact could use a little help and my billing is not getting out in time. And as a result, I've got overdue collections and, oh yeah, my, my, uh, my bill to precision planting is, you know, I'm I'm not getting my, my early pay discounts because I'm dragging along that way. And so that leads, those inefficiencies lead to areas of unprofitability and they're costing you money. And if you start adding up like that scenario that I just laid out a guy that's in that position, if he started adding up what he's paying, just not getting his bills paid early, mm-hmm. that would probably pay for somebody to come into the office once a week, mm-hmm. button things up, but you've got to get a little bit organized about it. And, you know, with Justin McMenemy today, uh, wrapping up the Dealer Insider, uh, led a talk about a book, uh, Barbarians to Bureaucrats. Yep. Right? And he said most of the dealerships that, that start out here, they're in the barbarian phase or the profit phase, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're these visionary, um, take no prisoners kind of approach right. to everything. And they, you know, you just, you, you, there's no time to plan and organize and manage. You, there's a hill to take and there's, you know, yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta get the barbarian horde to the other side and, you know, expand our territory and do all these things. Well, you know, that's great when you've got, you know, small little community. Uh, but when you grow, it's harder and harder to do that because there's so many other things that need to be taken care of. And if we're not careful, 
we will we'll sell so much to our customer that we'll struggle to support the customer mm-hmm. to the level that we know that that we owe them, right? Yeah. And boy, if you do that, it's going to be a struggle for your dealership. It's going to be a struggle in rec- reputation, and it's mm-hmm. just going to have ripple effects down the line, right? So, yeah. so you, you've got to be careful that you don't get to that level. And I, I keep skirting your original question over and over and over again. I know you want to get back to these roles things, but I think all of these all of these tie into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another, I'm, I'm big on, uh, I guess, proverbs and sayings and things that help keep me grounded. One of them I heard a long time ago, if you want to go fast, go alone. Mm. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. Right. And so you've got all these visionary leader types starting these businesses and are they going far? Or are they going fast? Well, a lot of them, they're going fast, man. Uh, I got this guy over here that needs this and I've got these three guys over here and we're going to get these products ordered and I'm going to get them installed. And at some point somebody needs to step back, take a deep breath and go, you know what? Um, it's great that we're going fast. It's mm-hmm. great that we're, that we're getting product out. It's great that we're helping these farmers. But if I want to, if I want to help them for the long term, I need to build a healthy organization that's going to get there right so we need to have it's great to have this vision that we're going to have three systems on three planters this first year great fantastic so what happens when you have 40 systems on planters four years from now what kind of structure are you did you build to get there right all right and you're are you going to be able to support these a number of years ago uh, I had a young dealer that had, you know, he'd been in the business for a while. He was doing a good job, had a great reputation, just super attitude about you've got to service a customer, whatever it looks like, you know, whatever it means. And um, he tried to hire some people on at times. He'd hire them, get them trained. They'd go somewhere else. Uh, he, he was frustrated with just, you know, you put a, a lot of effort, especially – if you're a sole proprietor, you're doing it all yourself, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're going, all right, I'm going to take a large percentage of the money that I'm making, and I'm going to give it to somebody else uh, so that so that he can help me to do what I do better. And then you put a ton of resources into somebody, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. How frustrating, right? Yeah. This In this particular case, uh, he had an opportunity to sell his business to a larger organization who wanted him to come in and lead the business. And this organization had a team of product support people and a team of, you know, finance and billing and, you know, all of the administrative folks. Mm -hmm. And what has happened to this guy's business since that happened is just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Suddenly he didn't have to worry about making sure that things got billed and things Mm -hmm. got collected. Suddenly he didn't have to be concerned about, um, what happens if I'm over here two hours to the east supporting this guy's planter and somebody four hours to the west gives me a call? And I know not every territory that sounds like reasonable, but the reality is, especially in, in, a, an, in a new area where you break ground with a precision planting dealership where there's not a ton of dealers around you, mm-hmm. it might be a couple of hours radius right yeah i was gonna say some dealers might be like only four hours i know <laughs> i know right um you know the uh, guys up in canada and yeah the, the next nearest dealers like a 14 hour drive right. away 
Um, so when, when you're breaking new ground, you're, you're, you're the, the, the guy, you're the guy on point and you just feel like you're alone. Like there's nobody else out there. And, and so you got a guy comes to you and he's three hours away and you're two hours, you're three hours closer to him than the next dealer on the next side or whatever. Or what are you going to do? Are you going to say, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Mm -hmm. Or are you going to do your very best to, to make sure that he's taken care of? And then what do you do when you're two hours in the opposite direction and he really needs somebody on site? What do you do when you're one guy? Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that is a cool story. Kind of seeing the, the side of it's a one man show struggling to keep employees on for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But then he's kind of in a unique situation because he was able to, when he sold his dealership, but stay involved and, and lead that portion of the business, all the roles were defined for him. Yeah. He didn't have to go through that process of what does it look like? How do I get the right person? And they were already there and his business flourished. So it's cool to see kind of the true black and white of this is what it was. This is what it is now. It's a complete 180 from what he was used to. Well, and I, I'd like to just draw attention for a moment at the the mindset shift that had to take place in that guy's thinking. Oh, yeah. So we talked about the emotional investment you've got in your family farm. How about in a business that you built from nothing Yeah. that has been all you've been doing for the last five, six, seven, eight years or more, and suddenly you're relinquishing some control over this thing that you've built. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's your identity in a very real way. Are you willing to make that shift in order to a serve the customer better, b grow and, and be better as a business? That's, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to get a guy to do. It takes some serious humility to make something like that happen. Absolutely. You know, Chris, we've kind of in a roundabout way knocked out most of most of the questions that I already had. So really, yeah, actually, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and flag it just while we actually, you know, what, I'm gonna. Okay, Chris. So what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna go ahead and bring it kind of back into the the core concept of defining roles within a dealership. So we've talked a little bit about the need to sit down and define, okay, what's what's happening? What am I good at? What do I like? What's making me money? We've discussed what's that 180 look like where we have a, a dealership where one guy is trying to juggle everything and we just can't quite do it to then being blessed with an opportunity. And I understand it's going to be far and few between when there's an opportunity like that. But to see the shift and then to see a flourishing business once, hey, all the roles are defined. And I know what I have to do to lead this group to make sure that we're successful. Right. And all of those things that I was stumbling on, we've assigned somebody to take care of those things, right? right. So I can focus on those things that I know I'm good at, that I know I enjoy doing, that I know I can be profitable and productive at. Right. And that was, that was like the three things that I told you, right? Mm -hmm. yep. That was a perfect example of the, this is what he's good at. This is what he enjoys. And this is what he can be most profitable at. That was a, that was the perfect, that was trifecta, right. right? Where he pulled those three together. You may not be fortunate enough to be in a trifecta. 
If you can get two of the three, you're doing great. But, like, focus on one. Worst case scenario, you're like, well, this isn't what I like to do, and (laughs) this isn't what I want to be doing, and I'm not really good at this. But, I mean, that's probably not the way it's going to be. Right. You're either you're going to be doing at least one of those things. Right. If you can figure it out, you're going to be doing two of them. And mm-hmm. if you can if you can iron it out to the point where you are doing only the things you love, only the things that you're good at, and only the things that you that you're profitable and productive at. I, I mean, I I I can't say that that's everybody's goal for every business, but I can tell you that that sounds like paradise to me. Mm-hmm. What I want to do now then is. So we, we've identified where I need help, right? So me as a dealer, this is the area that I'm struggling in. So I'm going to go out and hire for this role. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that might play a factor like geography, right? So if you're in an area that's super saturated with, with guys who grew up in the farming industry their entire life, and y- it's not going to take as near as much work to train a tech as it would be to take one of them and train them to be a salesperson, right? How do some of those things play a role when we're thinking of, okay, I need to fill a, I need to bring someone on to fill a role or ease some of my burden so we can continue to grow the business. You know, I've, I've heard a saying that the good is the enemy of the great. And people say that because they're like, well, you know, if you're willing to settle for, you know, this level of performance or this level of whatever, then that holds you back from from getting what's best. You know, it's awesome. But the truth of the matter is that can be said in reverse as well. The great or the perfect is the enemy of the good, right? So Mm -hmm. if you've got this vision in your mind of, well, you know, uh, yeah, we'd probably be a better organization if we could pull in this guy that was able to take these couple of tasks, but I've got this vision of being able to bring in a guy that's going to have all of these skills and he's going to take us to this level. And so I've got... This doesn't, this doesn't move us toward that perfect vision that I have for my business, so I'm not right. going to bother with it, right? I, I think we need to realize that, that we have a, a, a current business in the present, and we've got a short-term future business, and hopefully we've got a long-term future business, and the three of those might look very different. And I would say that if there's some transitional stage, and uh, it seems to me like moving from that small operator where you're just one or two guys into the the large organization that's able to to really grow and develop and thrive and support the customer at a high level there's going to be some transitional moments in that development right? right and the all of the people that take you to step two might not be there for step five right and you know maybe they'll surprise you you know maybe you'll bring in a guy and you're like well this guy is good for one role and we'll we'll try to help him as best we can he's going to help us in that area where we really need some help right now maybe he's not in the big picture in the future but maybe he develops into that big picture in the future right, right? um not really answering your question. You did say about geography, right? Like yeah. some areas mm-hmm. it's going to be easier to find sales professionals and yeah. some areas it's going to be easier to find techs. You know, from my perspective, it's almost better to find somebody who's got close to zero skills and just has absolutely the right attitude, the right heart, the right spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's maybe somebody who's uh, Kristen here in HR yeah. often says that she hires people here who are hungry humble and smart, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
doesn't say anything about degrees or credentials. Doesn't say anything about, you know, skills or abilities. Um, the truth is if you can, if you can hire the right attitude, if you can hire somebody who has just an absolute drive to see the customer get better, to see the customer perform. Um, if the best way they can do that is to, is to, to learn how to support them from a technical side, they're going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's far more important to hire that attitude and then train the abilities. In fact, uh, if we're looking at that, at people that have been involved in ag tech or any other tech for that matter, in all likelihood, they're probably going to need to unlearn a few bad habits in order to perform at a high level in our organization. Right. Right. So I don't know. I, I, it sounds to me like I'm maybe not even giving you the answer that you were hoping for. And it's no, I, I think if I can kind of summarize it, it's going to be better to have that person with the hunger and the drive to bring onto your business as you grow, because they're going to want to grow, not just personally, but help your business grow. Sure. So sometimes it makes more sense to sacrifice the skills for the personality and to build the culture you want as a dealership. I, it seems like it takes an awful lot of resources and energy and effort and time to develop skills in an employee. And I know it, it's really tempting to go, you know what, this guy's already got all these skills and I can, I don't have to put that investment into this person, but I can tell you this from experience. If, if that person doesn't have the right attitude and the right orientation of their mind, um, there's no amount of training that can change that. Right. So, Chris, I think we've gotten to everything that I wanted to get to today. Um, is there anything else that maybe have co has come to mind throughout the course of our conversation or anything else you personally wanted to get to uh, before we wrap everything up? Yeah, there is actually. Um, when I was preparing for this, there were a couple of things that came to mind and I jotted them down and and this doesn't directly touch the things that we were talking about, but I, I think it I, I think it really points to something that's important for us to consider through all this. There's an old saying that I've heard. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they shall never sit. And that's a picture of somebody who's willing to go through the work and the toil to do something that they know is going to live long after they are gone, right? And not every person who builds a precision planting business has that kind of vision for their business. Right. Maybe some of our dealers, they're building something that's going to provide for them and for their family now into the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever that looks like. If you're building a business that's going to provide for your family and maybe for your children and for your children's children, or, or maybe for a larger organization, it's going to continue to serve farmers and make them better into the next generation or several generations. There's a couple different perspectives to how you approach that, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to take that into account when you're building your organization. Um, when you're considering what are these tasks that I'm going to be filling and who are the people that we're bringing in. And it's mm -hmm. not that it's not that there won't be some transitional state between where we are now and that eternal organization that's going to continue growing and developing and all of those things. But I mean, if we think back at the founder of precision planting, mm -hmm. do you think that he was a guy that was, that was just looking to, to add an income to his family? Or do you think he had a, a vision beyond that? Do you think that what precision planting has become has 
exceeded all of those visions of what he thought it would become? Or do you think there was some idea in his mind that this would continue to grow and develop and become something of this scope and scale? Yeah. Um, every single dealership that we have is, they have the opportunity to build something that's going to continue to provide benefits to people in their family, in their community, in agriculture, far beyond their own life. Mm -hmm. And while everybody's not going to take that opportunity, um, it's important to think about how we're structuring the business that we're building. And is it going to, get, is it going to fulfill the, the vision that I have for, for who this company is, for who this dealership is, and is it going to continue in the future? Right. Yeah. I mean, that kind of, not kind of, I mean, determining what you want it to become directly relates to the conversation earlier of, well, I really enjoy doing this, but I'm not very good at it. I don't really enjoy doing this, but I'm really good at it. So by doing that and hiring someone else to do what I'm not very good at, even though I enjoy it, that's going to drive the business to the next stage like I want it to be. Right. Versus if I just want to provide enough to take care of my family, and when I'm done, it's done, and I'm totally okay with that, then maybe taking the hit of I enjoy doing this even though it's not the most productive thing, so I'm going to hire someone to do the things that I don't enjoy doing. I mean, that sets the entire tone for that decision process. Yeah, and it comes back to the original question. Like, what is it that you hope to accomplish? Like, what are you building here? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of important to know what we're building before right. we start the construction, right? Right. Uh, you begin with the end in mind, and then you evaluate realistically where you are. You set a, a, a goal for where you want to be, and then you try to reach those transitional states in between where you are and where you want to be, one after another. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've had a great time. I'll come back awesome. anytime. Sounds good. Sounds good.